Come on. Welcome, Lead Club. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Scott Ritzheimer. Scott, are you ready to do this? I am ready, George. Excited about it. Excited about it for sure myself. Let's go. Scott is a CEO of Scale Architects. They're an organization helping other organizations achieve predictable success by pairing them with a scale architect to build and sustain success. Scott, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Yeah, I, I have the opportunity to do what I absolutely love doing, uh, which is a lot of fun to say. I, I've been in and out of that throughout my life, did a lot of really fun things, uh, did, you know, in a, a surprisingly short amount of time, had a, a whole lot of experience thrown my way. Uh, but now I can say being able to be there helping coaches coach and also helping just leaders in the room with their teams building remarkable organizations. There's just nothing like it. So I, I absolutely adore it. Everything about what I do is just so fun. Um, but it comes out of a very painful place uh, in, in my story. And that was, you know, back in my early 20s, I, I kind of happened into being an entrepreneur. It wasn't really intentional. It wasn't really what I designed. Uh, I wasn't the quintessential guy like selling candy on the playground. You know what I mean? Uh, but Looking back now, those roots were always there. So 20 years old, uh, and, and I become uh, an owner in a, a company that was once a multi-million dollar company and brought to the brink uh, through a bad sale, actually. And we don't have to get into that story. But here I am, owner of this company, uh, helping lead it. And I don't know anything, right? I just know nothing at all. But I'm you know full of piss and vinegar and ready to go. And so let's just figure it out. And, and that's what we did. We figured it out. And that's what most entrepreneurs do, right? Uh, starting a, an organization, 80% chance of success. So by and large, you're doing a dumb thing to start any organization. <laughs> now, I love entrepreneurs. I'm in it. I've done it. But it's, you know, when you look at the odds, there's, there's better chances, right? There's better probabilities. And so what happens is we get used to going against the grain. We get used to ignoring sound advice because you have to, to start an organization. You just do, right? Uh, you have to ignore the advice that says, you know, play it safe. And, and instead you make the big bet and, and some of them don't work, but the ones that do are the, what get you out. And, and what they did for me and what I see happening again and again, particularly for entrepreneurs, but for leaders in general, is it starts to affirm this idea that if I'm going to do it, I need to figure it out. And what that led for me to believe, particularly as CEO of this organization at such a young age, and again, I see this in so many people now, is it, it meant if I was going to figure it out, I had to do it myself. And, and what that translates to and what a lot of us think is to be a CEO is to be alone right? It's lonely at the top is the phrase that you hear all the time. And, and what I discovered after a very long period of time, so 10 years of my life, I spent in this mode of just feeling stuck. If I couldn't figure it out, I had no solution. I had no way out. And that was compounded by a couple of bad coaching relationships that I tried. Uh, and uh, they were great people. It was just for what I found are, are actually nearly universal reasons. Uh, we, I kept bumping into these challenges with folks uh, and it had more to do with the way that I was selecting a coach than, than those coaches in general. Uh, we can talk about that in a minute, but 
what I realized in coming out of that, I, I successfully sold the business. Uh, it was a, a great transition to the next le- layer of leadership. And, and I realized I wanted to help people do what I did. Uh, I, I was you know, still relatively young. This is all happening before I'm 35. And so it's not necessarily your quintessential coach either. Um, and I have the opportunity now of coaching people who are much older than me and you know, arguably much wiser than me. But I found my niche and I found the thing that I love and, and it's very helpful for them. Uh, but when I was coming out of that, I was like, okay, I want to help coach people, right? Which meant I had to figure out this whole coaching thing. Why does it break so many times? And was this just an experience that I had, or is this happening all over the place? And uh, over the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to interview about 200 different coaches, uh, about the same number of, uh, of CEOs. And if you ask a CEO, if you've had a bad coaching relationship, my experience has been 10 out of 10 say yes. 100 out of 100, right? Every one of them. Now, some of them have had great coaching experiences as well, but why is it that that's so universal? Why is it that, you know, business coaching is a multi-billion dollar industry, especially if you bring in consultants, that's a, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. Why is it that it's so broken? Why is it that it's not working well? I've been watching the Olympics this week. Um, and, you know, the very first thing that every athlete does, the last person they see and the first person they see after their run is their coach, Right. But in business, it's almost like if you hire a coach, it's like remediary. It's that you did something wrong or it's broken. And so what's this stigma? What is all of this? Why is the coaching industry so broken? And I realized it really boils down to three things that have to do with how we select a coach, right? First off, I would say, alone takes a long time. Everyone needs a coach, right? Whether you're at the top of your game or you're just starting out or you've been you know, through the ringer a coach will do you remarkable wonders and just helping you move forward faster to see your blind spots, to, uh, to have those just lightning in a bottle moments where all of a sudden it hits you and you've got that way to move forward. A great coach will do that again and again and again, but how do you find a great coach, right? Because the statistics are telling us that we're not doing a great job at that. And it's because no one's ever been trained to do it. If you look, there's lots of resources on how to hire great employees, lots of them. There are entire industries dedicated to helping you recruit and find great employees. How many resources do you know of off the top of your head of finding a great coach? I don't think any. Yeah, no. And it's just something that we kind of take for granted. And so what we're left to do is we're we're left to try and figure it out on our own. And, you know, the first time you do something, are you great at it or bad at it? Not awesome. Yeah, it's just not not good. And, and that's not a problem, right? If if we stopped things that we weren't good at, none of us would be walking or riding bikes or talking at this point. So it's okay to be bad at something, but what we really need is someone to come alongside and train us. And that's what I have the opportunity to do now. And in doing that, I found that there are three issues that, that tend to drive these problems. The first one is when we're looking for a coach, we go out and we look for someone who's, who's going to give us the silver bullet. Our brains are wired to find the easiest route to a solution. And so because of that, our brains try to tell us that whatever the problem is that we're having is a simple one, right? Uh, It may be, I just need more sales, or I just need to hire better, or I just need something or, or the other. If you don't have a coach or haven't had a coach, then I can almost guarantee that whatever that symptom is, it's just a symptom. And if you solve that more often than not, it makes the problem worse. This happened to a gentleman I worked with. His name was Paul, and he spent $40,000 on a consultant to help him with some hiring and and development issues. And he lost $800,000 because of it. 
And what happened was he had brought someone in to solve a problem that was not the core problem. And, and long story short, once he realized the, the, the problem was he needed a whole new method for doing business, a whole new way of generating revenue, he couldn't just patch a Band-Aid on what existed already. And once he found that, and we were able to discover that together, he was able to turn it around, added a million dollars to his bottom line in one year. And uh, a big part of what was going on was he was having to travel about 100 nights a year. Uh, to to keep his business afloat. And so we were able to cut his travel to zero hmm. and add a million dollars to his bottom line, not his top line, his bottom line by addressing the root issues that existed at the time. And, and again, if you've not been taught how to discover that, how do you know what the root issues are, right? It, it, you, when do you go to the doctor? You don't go and say, I have this underlying disease. You say, my toe hurts, right? And, and so again, it's not that anyone's doing anything wrong. And, and if you go to someone and say, my toe hurts, and they offer to fix it, they're not doing anything wrong either. It's just that there's a mismatch in neither party has really taken the responsibility to find that root issue and address it first. And so if you're not already working on root issues in your organization and you're feeling the symptoms and you go to just try and solve those symptoms, you may very well find someone who can solve them. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to either not change the situation fundamentally or it, it, like in Paul's case, it's going to make matters worse. And so addressing those root issues is really the biggest one. Uh, and then there's a, a couple others as well. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. That's We are conditioned to want to just take care of the symptoms. And to your point, find the easiest possible. If there's a pill that can make me feel better, then I'm interested in taking that yes. pill and, uh, and, and, and then kind of moving on with my day. And and why would I know how to select a coach any right. more than I know how to select a doctor? I don't, I don't know how to do that. I select my doctor via whoever my health insurance company says that I can talk to. So, right. so all that certainly makes sense. And the stakes are as high with my doctor as they are with a coach and probably more so with a coach because I'm actually coming out of pocket directly to pay them. So Yes. And they're not cheap, right? And it's not because they're rolling in it. Most coaches really struggle to make a living. Great people, great coaches, ton to offer. But starting a coaching business is very, very difficult. It's just like starting any other business. Eight out of 10 coaches fail. Uh, and so a lot of what I do is work with coaches to overcome those challenges so that they can offer the better advice that, that our, our founders and, and leaders need. Um, but, you know, again, on their side, this is not to say that coaches are bad people or that they're stealing people's money or anything like that. They're just trying to put food on the table. Right. And they're trying to do what they know how to do best. And, and uh, again, it's just one of those things that we've got to both sides of the equation need to work on on their role in, in what we're contributing. And and that's what I that's what I do. You know, I, I help both sides of that equation. I help folks find the right coach for the right time. I also help coaches to say, hey, uh, here are the things that are holding you back that are preventing you from finding the folks that you can help at the right time right? Here's what's causing you to go after that silver bullet promise and, and what to do about it. Is it that, that you, through your personal experience and your business experience, were able to, to develop a framework? Is that... 
Yeah. So uh, I discovered a framework. I did not develop it. So as I was working through uh, this this organization, we're building it up. We get stuck in this. Uh, it's actually a stage that every organization goes through. It's one that I now uh, using this framework called Whitewater, and it's what only it only happens to successful organizations. That's the craziest thing about it is it's this highly problematic period uh, where you know it, it's the things that were working, the levers that you used to pull just aren't working anymore. And I could go on and on about that, but I'm going to try and keep it brief here uh, for the sake of the audience. But but this whitewater period was was just crushing our organization. Uh, our revenue was still going up, but we were keeping less and less and less and less of that every year. And and no matter what we tried, we could not turn it around. And so we're sitting there, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And it was a podcast like this. I heard a, a gentleman named Les McEwen who's now uh, a partner of mine in, in business, but I heard him talk about these stages and he described the whitewater stage. And then I went out and got his book and, uh, and uh, listened to it actually as an audio book. And when he described this stage whitewater, it was like, does he have a camera in our office? Like, has he been reading my emails? Like what is going on here? And the first thought that hit me was we're in whitewater, right? This finally makes sense. Somebody understands where we are. And secondly, uh, the, the very next thought that hit me, which is kind of weird, I'll admit is if I could help people get out of whitewater every day for the rest of my life, I would die a happy man. And that's where this really started was I realized finally there was a model that, that, that depicted where we were, right? It wasn't that I had to make it. That was the moment I realized I didn't have to figure it out myself anymore. And so I used that uh, model. We also were able to add a million dollars to our bottom line in just one year. It was a, 13 months. So uh, New Year's makes no difference. And from then on, it was just like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I, I want to use. So it's called the predictable success model. And it really empowers everything that we do. And it goes to the heart of that first issue I talked about of how do you find the root causes? And that's what it did for us is it, it, it addressed some underlying fundamental issues that everyone felt, but nobody could put a finger on. And it gave us the right things to work on in the right order. And, and through that structured process, we were able to make just a remarkable transformation. And that's the same uh, system that I use to teach both founders and coaches. Nice. A moment of clarity. <clears throat> Like this is amazing. How 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 does this guy know that we are experiencing exactly what he's describing? So what is what does a typical engagement look like for um, I I I guess for the whole thing? Yeah. So for uh, again, there's two sides of this, right? Because I'm helping both both uh, groups, if you will. So on the founder side, what we do when we work with them, our goal is to come in and have a transformational engagement. So it's not one of those things. We we do offer ongoing coaching. That's a supplemental thing, but uh, those are problematic for a couple of other reasons. But uh, we come in and, and we address the the fundamental issues that are happening at the stage that you're in right now to get you to the stage that you want to go. It's usually about a six to nine month process. It's something that you you will likely figure out on your own, right? Founders are dogged and determined and resilient enough to figure this stuff out. But like I said, alone takes a long time. And so what could take you two, three, four, five years, right, uh, is what it typically takes in one of those problematic stages. You can make that progress in about six to nine months with a guide who can just walk you through the steps to get there. Uh, it's not the trial and error. It's not the painful losing of leaders that you experience. You know, it's just a, a six to nine month process. The way that we typically work is in full day uh, engagements with the entire team. We do a workshop together and we actually solve the problems right there in the room. 
Uh, it's not like the typical consulting engagement where you go through, there's a whole discovery process. And then what's the result of all of it? Is it solved? No, you get a hundred page report that you now have to figure out. We don't do it that way. Uh, we, we end the day with a really clear action plan on, we've got the problem solved. Here's how we're going to act that out and, and sort it out. And again, over about six, sometimes nine months, uh, we've made significant progress inside of the organization. On the, uh, on the coach side, what we do is, again, it's about a 90-day process, uh, and, and I bring folks in, <clears throat> we train them on the predictable success model, we train them uh, on uh, those life cycle stages I talked about, the leadership styles that are driving those stages, and then the actual roadmap on how to scale an organization. How do you accelerate an organization's growth? So I train the individuals one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we address the three fundamental problems that are happening to them as coaches, right? Which we don't have time to get into, but uh, there's a resource that we can point folks to. Um, and, uh, and in doing that, we also license the whole model to them that they can use. And it's turnkey, right? You just plug and play. Okay, I know what we need to do to solve the problems in your organization is this workshop. All right, let's go, right? And so they, they schedule the workshop and they're good to go. So it's really business in a box. Um, it's, it's meant for both existing coaches and new coaches alike. Uh, both have experienced significant success with the program. Nice. I love it. For on, on the founder side, this six to, month, six to nine month process, how much time during the week um, are, are, are we typically looking at? I'm sure it's more some weeks and less others, but... Yep. So going through, it depends on what stage you're in, right? Uh, and what stage you're trying to get to. So there's seven stages, which means that there's different approaches for the different stages. But uh, what you can expect is one, we've got that full day workshop, which is they're usually spread out by about four to eight weeks, just depending on your business cycle and whether it's a busy season or, or a, 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 a not a busy season. And uh, what we do early on, very early on, one of the very first things we do is actually stop the senior leadership team from doing too much. That, that's what's one of the primary drivers of a slowdown in organization is just overload from either the most senior executive, CEO, founder, whatever their title is, and their, their leadership team, which we call T1. And so a significant portion of what we're doing very early on is actually buying back the space that they need to do the work that they're supposed to be doing. And so the net result of that, uh, it's more work, but it's actually the same amount of work for the team because we've eliminated a bunch of work that was unnecessary and we've delegated a bunch of work that was not necessary for that team. And we create that space early on so that it's net neutral and you actually start seeing momentum after just a few weeks. Love it. Beautiful. Well, Scott, people are ready for your difference making tip, even though you've given us a lot. What do you have for them? Yeah, it is that it's a loan takes a long time. Uh, I don't care if you're a founder or a frontline employee, uh, if you are serious about uh, having a career that fulfills you and excelling in that, uh, you can go further faster with a coach. You know, there's not a single Olympic athlete out there right now who doesn't have a coach. And the same uh, reality is true for us. If we want to be at the top of our game, the best way to do that is to find the right coach for us right now. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you and Scale Architects? Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure, George. Um, 
Folks can find us at scalearchitects.com. Uh, if you go to book.scalearchitects.com, B-O-O-K.scalearchitects.com, we are giving away the Predictable Success book for free uh, and a whole host of other resources, about $350 worth of, uh, of courses and PDFs and uh, resources that are available. Uh, and all you do is pay for the shipping. I think it's eight bucks, something like that. Uh, so book.scalearchitects.com. And for coaches in particular, there's a course in there about how to avoid the three traps that coaches face. And uh, that's one of the bonus materials that's there. And it's, so for either side, if you're looking for a great coach, if you are, uh, if you are wanting to be a great coach, uh, that free book is the best place to start book.scalearchitects.com. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to book.scalearchitects.com and pick up a copy of the Predictable Success book. If you're a coach, pick up the information on how to avoid the three traps that coaches fall into. Yep. It's all there. One thing. Uh, everyone gets all of it. So everything's at book.scalearchitects.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you again, Scott. Absolutely. My pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We're all in this together.